electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I think the promise of AI is coming now. I mean, I think you're seeing with ChatGPT is just one example, but I think it's been one of the most exciting areas in the next five years. General Atlantic Chairman and CEO Bill Ford on set with our team. Hey guys, have fun. We're trying. Have trying to stay warm? Yeah. They're outside in the alpine cold at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. The growth equity investor who got in on Uber, Airbnb, Etsy, Vox, ByteDance, and so many more on tech's next big thing. I think we'll start to see some very attractive opportunities in the next 12 to 24 months as the private market resets. And I, and I think, again, you've seen a severe revaluation, fast revaluation of the public tech sector. And Ford says not all those opportunities are stateside. Entrepreneurship is way more distributed than it was 10, 20 years ago. I mean, you're seeing entrepreneurs not just in Silicon Valley, but all over the United States, but also all over the world. Some of the most exciting entrepreneurs we're dealing with are in Southeast Asia, Latin America, uh, of course, China. And speaking of China, he's bullish and he's also grateful. China has basically lifted hundreds of millions of people out of poverty. And it's, it basically was a deflationary force for the last 20 years. And I think that's a positive for the world. So I, I think we did get a benefit. I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. Squawk Pod reports from Davos, General Atlantic's Bill Ford begins right now. Another day in Davos. It's cold. It's windy. Oh, my goodness. It's not good for my hair either. I got it high and tight. I'm like Andrew. But after three years of COVID disruptions and countless country lockdowns and reopenings, the team is glad to be back in the Alps with the world's most influential leaders in business, government, and civilian life. One of those leaders, Bill Ford. He's the chairman and CEO of General Atlantic, a growth equity firm with $72 billion under management. He's on the boards of BlackRock, Sierra Space, and TikTok parent ByteDance. Over the years, his firm has deployed $55 billion into nearly 500 private companies, many of which have gone on to be household names, you know, Uber, Airbnb, Mobileye, Tory Burch, Ant Financial, Chime, you get the point. He's a big deal. Bill Ford isn't just a big deal in Silicon Valley. General Atlantic invests in the consumer, healthcare, financial services, and tech sectors. And he's interested, as you'll hear, in markets way beyond the U.S. Wherever you are, the tech sector's taken a hit. Big tech players like Microsoft, Amazon, and others have altogether caught about 60,000 jobs in 2022. Proceeds from IPO deals plummeted 94% from a record-breaking run in 2021. Valuations also suffered a big cut in the private markets. And in the public markets, over the course of the last year, mega-cap tech stocks like Amazon, Meta, and Tesla each lost at least half of their value. All that to say, it was a pretty rocky year. So 
what's on the horizon? Well, this next interview has Ford's outlook. It was recorded on location in between panels and meetings and interviews at the world-famous and famously hectic Davos. What's the pizza story here, people? Is there pizza? Is it coming? You guys having fun? General Atlantic Chairman and CEO Bill Ford sat down with CNBC Squawk Box anchors Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorgan. Good morning to you, sir. Great, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Are you Becky, cold yet? I am cold. Officially cold. It's cold. My <laughs> yeah. nose is dripping. It's that cold, oh, right? Gross. Sorry, TMI. that is gross. Um, we don't get an opportunity to talk to you that often. And one of the big topics has been a TikTok and ByteDance and China and everything else. And you're you're right in the center of it. So what, what do you think of what you, we keep hearing from U.S. government officials? And where do you think that investment goes? Yeah. Well, the, the, first of all, and first and foremost, the company's been performing extremely well. We're up to over 90 million daily active users. In Don't I know. The Sorkin boys are unfortunately <laughs> are helping you. Uh, so the, the company's performing well. And, and you know, we've been engaged with the U.S. government, the national security uh, agencies, since the review, the CFIUS review started in 2020. Right. And consistently engaged. And we're working uh, towards a, a national security agreement. And we're optimistic we'll secure one. But, but are they right? Is it a security threat for people to be on TikTok and have their information be able to be picked up by, by some server in China? And done well, with, we don't know what. Well, Becky, all of our data is in the Oracle cloud already. Uh, I mean, we've, we've taken uh, this, these concerns very seriously, and we've been executing against the idea of getting into a clean cloud since really since 2021. And, and as of, I can say, as of today, our data is in the clean cloud and it's safe and secure. Uh, really led by Oracle. And, uh, and it, it also. So you think these folks don't know what they're talking about? I mean, you have states now, obviously, that have said, look, you got to, if you're government, uh, if you work for the government, you got to take it off your phone. I think there's a lot of misinformation uh-huh. and misunderstanding about ByteDance and TikTok. And as I said, we've, been, we've taken all the concerns seriously. We've stayed engaged with the national security agencies during both the Trump and the Biden administration. And we've implemented what we think will be the national security agreement, which is moving all the data into the Oracle cloud. And the data is safe. The data has been safe and the algorithm is being reviewed by Oracle. How much of it, though, is about the data being safe today versus the data not being used in some other way in the future or just the ability of potentially the Chinese government, if you believe that they can, can control it, to effectively spread information or potentially misinformation or get involved in politics or whatever, given the amount of um, power they have, given so many Americans use this this service. I mean, somebody said to me once that this is like the equivalent, to, you know, you uh, the, the FCC would never allow one company mm-hmm. to own every local TV channel in America. Yeah. This is sort of like that on the phone for a whole new generation. Well, look, the most important thing for myself speaking as a parent is to make sure the data is secure. Right. And the data is not leaving the Oracle cloud, is not going back to China or anywhere outside the United States. And we've accomplished that. And that was objective number one. The second is the algorithm. Make sure that the source code is also safe and in the Oracle cloud. And with Oracle certifying that it's safe and reviewed. We've done that. We're doing that. And that's always been the basis of the concerns of the national security organizations. More broadly, let's talk valuations and what's just happened to the whole space. I mean, Public public market valuations come down. Private market valuations yeah. come. What's happening here? Well, we've seen a thirty percent plus correction in in, in uh, the Nasdaq. If you actually look at some of the mid cap tech stocks, as you know, it's it's fifty to seventy percent, right. and uh, and a complete turn back to profitability. Uh, and and uh, that is just starting to be reflected in the private markets. Uh, we've talked for a while to investors that's going to take two to six quarters for the private markets to fully reflect what's happened in the public markets. Mm. And I'd say we're, we're, we're about two quarters. Is that because folks are just slow to market? Meaning mark it, like mark it down. 
Well, well, f- the first reason is is that companies raise a lot of capital on the upcycle, and they don't need to raise money right now, so they don't need to come back to the private market to raise capital. So the day of reckoning might be down the road. But you have started to see, with stock option valuations, a lot of companies marking down their valuations. So, so you, get, you get a 70%, 50% discount to buy it, but you're going to have to, your leverage costs are going to be much more expensive at five and a quarter if that's where the Fed heads, right? So net-net, more attractive or the same or less attractive? I think it's more attractive, Joe. I, I think we're starting to bottom out in public market valuations for some of these tech companies. It's got to get reflected in the private markets. I think we'll start to see some very attractive opportunities in the next 12 to 24 months as the private market resets. And I, and I think, again, you've seen a severe revaluation, fast revaluation of the public tech stocks. You guys talk about it a lot. Do you wish the Fed would tread lightly, or do you think five and a quarter is reasonable? I think the 7,500 basis point you know, increase from here makes sense. I, I think the economy is... three of 325s or a 75? I think three, 325. 325s. Yeah, I'm expecting 325s. And, I and think, that's okay. I think that gets us where we need to get to, uh, actually. I think it, inflation has started to slow down, and I think that will do enough. I think the economy will stay somewhere between flat and maybe negative one. But uh, I'm These guys are going to be perfect. They're going to thread the needle perfectly. There's going to be a soft landing and we're all going to live happily ever after. Uh, I, I wouldn't go that far, I, but I, but I, I hope so. But, uh, but, but, I, but I, I do think that um, inflation is improving. Um, I think that the, 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 the toughest part has been the employment side, you know, where we're seeing, you know, very, very tight employment conditions and wages, prices going up. But the other parts are, are moderating. And uh, the other, I think, hidden positive is is China right now. Uh, the, the biggest surprise of the last three months is the China opening up and yeah. what that means for China growth and what China growth means for U.S. growth and global well, growth. It's inflationary or, or it's not inflationary. If it's supply chain, it's not inflationary. Commodities, it's inflationary. I think it's modestly inflationary, Joe. And that's why I think they're going to have to follow through on the 75 to maybe even 100 basis points to yeah. keep it under control. And I think the Fed's heading in the right direction. I think wow. they do have it just about right. So uh, I, I'm optimistic. I think the I think uh, people are underestimating the impact of the China opening up on the global economy. Hey, Bill, I always think of, um, look, technology investors of being kind of focused in Silicon Valley. I realize you have offices all over the place. Yeah. You just opened in Miami and beyond. But is Silicon different? Is Silicon Valley different than it was pre-pandemic? You think about the workers who left. You think about the valuations coming down on these places. You think about the layoffs that are taking place right now. Yeah. What, what's the mood out there? What's the feeling? I think what's happened, Becky, is that entrepreneurship is way more distributed than it was 10, 20 years ago. I mean, you're seeing entrepreneurs not just in Silicon Valley, but all over the United States, but also all over the world. Some of the most exciting entrepreneurs we're dealing with are in Southeast Asia, Latin America, uh, of course, China. And so I think it's about entrepreneurship becoming a global phenomenon. When, again, when I started my career at General Atlantic you know, a while ago, uh, it was mostly Silicon Valley. That's where the action was. That's where the entrepreneurial ecosystem was the most robust. But I think it's really migrated now to being. So if, if we were to talk to you five years from now and look at the origin story of the next companies that you invest in, you looked like a pie chart. Where, where would they be? Asia. Asia. <laughs> I, I think Asia. If you take India, Southeast Asia and, and China, China is an innovation economy uh, to start with. Uh, Southeast Asia becoming a, you know, an important right. destination as supply chains rebalance to, to diversify away from China. And I think we're in the digital decade for India. A lot, lot happening there. On the China side, one other thing is you have the U.S. government thinking about how they should think about regulating investments in China. Um, do you 
worry about that? I do. I, I don't think it's I think it's it's not the right thing. I think, we, you know, the global private equity industry, global investment industry is a real competitive advantage to the United States. And we've succeeded by investing in China. And so I, I think to try to put too many restrictions, I understand national security and we've got to be careful in certain areas. But when we talk about things like consumer, healthcare, retail, these are national security issues. We have a lot. We have a lot of China hawks who come on the show. We say, look, this whole relationship with China has not worked. We spent 30, 40 years now trying to have a relationship with China that was going to change China, and it hasn't changed China. Do you think it has? Well, it depends on what you mean by mean by change. I mean, China has basically lifted hundreds of millions of people out of poverty. And it's, it basically was a deflationary force for the last 20 years. I mean, the deflation, the inflation we were talking about, by adding all that basically manufacturing capacity, labor capacity to the world, we had, we had deflationary or non-inflationary growth that we enjoyed here in the United States and around the world. And, and I think that's a positive for the world. So I, I think we did get a benefit. It might have been more hidden in prices, but I, I think it was a positive. Uh, final quick question. AI, um, machine learning and the like. People, everyone's talking about chat, GPT, and all of this kind of stuff. Um, do you think that all of this is replicatable, or do you think that these are specialized technologies? Meaning, do you think you can go and, and recreate all this stuff elsewhere? No, I, I think it's for real. I, I think we, you know, we had a lot of talk about AI for the last five to ten years. I think the promise of AI is coming now. I mean, I think you're seeing with chat, GPT is just one example, but I think you're seeing real applications of AI across the economy, software robots, et cetera, really taking hold. I think it's been one of the most exciting areas in the next five years. Cool. Go forward. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, nice to see you. Thanks, Joe. Great to see you all. See you on TikTok. You do you. dances? Yeah. <laughs> Not really. No. Okay. Just- you don't want to see that. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Thank you for listening to this special episode of Squawk Pod Reports, which brings you the best of our coverage at the World Economic Forum in Davos. Squawk Box is hosted Rain or Shine, Wind or No Wind by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. If you like our coverage this week, please do share your comments with us wherever you're listening now and share your favorite episodes with folks in your circle. Have a great day. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve with the help of T-Mobile for Business. Our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. 
From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.